0: everybody or good afternoon or good evening. Um, Welcome to a special edition episode of Waiting To Be Signed. Uh, I'm Trinity and I am joined by Will Pop and our extremely special guest, abstractment or as I like to call him, abstraction. Hello, hello and uh, welcome. How are you all today?
1: Doing well. Yeah, excellent, thank you. And so for the purpose of this episode, we're going to call you Preston. Is that, that's good, right?
2: Yes, you can call me Preston. Uh, I realize it might be a little bit tricky for Trinity um, with the abstraction versus abstractment. Um, yeah. so I'm happy to go by Preston.
1: I, I mean, I, I, I might have missed this. Abstraction sounds like a really cool 90s hip hop artist to me. So I, I think that's why I kind of gravitate towards that. I am like this is like a guy who probably got a couple beats from Kanye, had a hit, and then... Uh, you know now the art world. <laughs> yeah, I moved over to the art world, but that's that's obviously not the case here. So I mean, I think why don't you go ahead and kind of introduce yourself a little bit. I I, I would bet a lot of people know who you are, but maybe they don't know your kind of like full
0: background.
1: We full story yeah, that. we don't know your full story. So like, a good place to start would be what brought you to generative art and NFTs, I guess. Sure.
2: Um, so my name is Preston, um, and. I grew up in the States, have have basically been traveling the world for the last 20 years and living in various countries. Um, And so I, you know, maybe what I'll do is just kind of provide a little bit of context in terms of as a collector and like kind of how some of those travels have influenced that. Um, And, you know, the... started off i guess my professional career started off in samoa um, as a peace corps volunteer and so for anybody who's not familiar with peace corps it is a a program run out of the u.s government for u.s citizens to go abroad and uh, serve on like a two-year stint as a volunteer and it's a it's a really awesome program um and its whole purpose is to kind of bring U.S. culture or actually take Americans to other countries to better understand those cultures, but then also to bring that understanding back to the U.S. and share that with family, friends, et cetera. And uh, and so that's where all of my sort of international travels began, uh, but it's also where a lot of my physical art collecting began. And uh, so in Samoa, I was living in a pretty remote village, um, spent most of my days trying to help the community with various projects um it was it was a really enjoyable experience but it was also tough and i was you know trying to get through a lot of the uh, writing and drawing um also a lot of surfing i was 50 meters away from the beach it was absolutely amazing um and a really like rewarding experience uh, but in that isolation so there were there were times when i would go into the city and uh I would just walk around the market for hours. Maybe actually like, let me take a step back, um, just to play, explain one piece about Samoan culture first. So if, uh, you may have heard of kava before. Um, so there's, there's also like in Samoa they call it ava. And it is a, uh, a powder basically, it's a plant. And then what they do is uh, they, they grind it up into a fine powder, they seep it in water, Uh, and then they drink it and it's like a very communal thing in Samoan culture so imagine yourself kind of sitting on a concrete slab next to the beach you've got a thatched roof over your head no walls around sitting around like with a a bunch of older men wearing skirts because that's kind of the the dress attire in Samoa and um and drinking this ava from coconut cup um and so what it, and what the ABBA does is it basically like numbs your tongue your mouth kind of puts you in a very relaxed state and is uh it's like a little bit of a buzz it's not to some extent but the bowls that they serve this out of are beautiful they're beautiful pieces of artwork and so when I would go into the city uh I would just explore the local markets looking a lot of like the artisanal crafts but spending most of my time just trying to find the best bowl artist that I could. And it took me quite some time, but eventually I found one where they were just putting together some amazing woodwork and I bought one and then I bought numerous more and took them home, um, gave, them around, gave them out to friends and family as gifts. Those are a really difficult gift to take home as a Peace Corps volunteer because you only get a couple of bags and those are very heavy objects, um, but they make for great gifts. And so uh, that's where like my collecting of artwork began. And it's kind of maybe in a, a non-traditional sense when we think about artwork and this is, you know, these are bowls, wooden bowls that are just really nice, nicely carved.
1: So just kind of in terms and, of education and background, like you didn't necessarily have like a formal arts education or anything like that as a younger person, it was more just like through your experience traveling, you kind of broke through in this appreciation of art through this culture and that kind of has inspired you since then to become like a collector and maybe even now an artist? Is that kind of the trajectory? Well, so,
2: I mean, stepping back way back. um, So my dad was an art teacher um, and I think he instilled a lot of love for art um, in me as I was growing up. As I grew up, he was not an art teacher. He kind of switched careers in order to uh, kind of make a living and support the family. Um, But his passion was art and he always loved that. And I loved art class. I, uh, you know, competed in several competitions and did well. Um, I was I was always very, very much into art as I was growing up. And, you know, as I was mentioning in Samoa, like, even as I've come out of kind of that uh, childhood, art has been kind of a, a space for me that I've found like a lot of relaxation and, and just enjoyed kind of um, participating in. Oftentimes what I'll do is just uh, at least over like the last maybe 20 years um, as I've been traveling, I will, uh, or I have created art on numerous occasions, but just for special occasions, like the birth of my daughters. Um, I painted a piece of uh, artwork for both of them. And when traveling in Afghanistan, I was taking photos of local businessmen and then brought those back and kind of framed them all um, in like a window frame. It looks, you know, really nice. And it's, you know, But it, it's just kind of opportunities that I try to find to participate in the space, but it's never been kind of, so it's always been a constant thread, but it's never been like a clear, like focal point. This is what I'm doing. And this is what I'm doing right now.
0: i love to hear that. And it's like also just cross medium. It sounds like there's not one particular thing. It's just kind of the artness of it all. Just kind of, as you said, that thread or just you're being steeped in it everywhere you go, even if it's something that you might not be in a pla- place for it's something that which is really amazing
1: yeah yeah absolutely uh yeah so so then what kind of brought you into creative coding generative art the nft world is that i mean i i imagine because it's kind of new for everyone in the past year or two that you have a similar story of encountering it or or maybe you were a fan of like pre-computer generative artists and then kind of reignited that interest with this advent of nfts yeah
2: so um my first introduction to crypto uh was back in 2013 um i was sitting in a pakistani coffee shop and uh was checking you know the news and saw something about Bitcoin's prices that were skyrocketing and then coming back down. I think they were at like 200 or 400 bucks at the time. And I just remember looking at it and thinking, wow, like this is is something that I wanna participate in. And I tried to uh, and couldn't figure out a way to do it. Uh, And then I just, it kind of stopped there in terms of exploring um, Bitcoin. I went back to my uh, looking for physical art and um, just found a very old Punjabi door that we turned into a dining room table. And, um, and so that was, that was my first introduction into it. And I just tracked Bitcoin prices for the long term, um, but didn't really, uh, like participate until maybe 2020 when I started to buy crypto, but it was very, it was like in a very small way. Um, just trying to get familiar with the market, understand, um, I've never had a big wallet and, um, uh, So this is it was just really just trying to get a feel for what was going on um i started to do it a little bit more in 2021 early 2021 and then in july june june 2021 is when i started to dive into nfts which was like the perfect time to uh get really excited about it and then um watch the market crash and so it was uh a little bit of a rough introduction to to the whole space Many of us have gone through that, and we will go through that many more times as uh, we see cycles, which I, I think the swings are really big and very kind of rapid. Um, but it, it wasn't until, I guess, September, I, think I was aware of art blocks and um, was tracking art blocks, never buying anything. Um, but then it was in September, I found Gen.Art on the Ethereum blockchain. And so gen.art, for those that might not be, ma- be familiar with it, it's a, uh, like a membership plan essentially where you pay for a membership and then you're able to mint uh, kind of guaranteed for, um, for artists or from these artists when they drop with gen.art. The prices are very, very reasonable compared to art blocks. Um, and so I, as I watched this and kind of joined this community I just got really excited about it. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. And I just immersed myself in that space, um, trying to learn as much as I possibly could, uh, exploring some of the other kind of generative art groups out there just to get a better understanding of what they were, but was really kind of considering Gen Art my home. Um, and it, it, was, it was through that community that I kind of really found a passion for generative art. Um, it was within a few weeks I was already realizing that I wanted to kind of figure out how to do or create generative art. And so it was probably early October when I first started to dive into it. And I had had a little bit of coding background prior to um, prior to trying generative art, but not much like this is all self taught, Um, trying to do kind of side projects for work, but this is—it's not at all my background, and uh, but I had just enough, like just enough, of an understanding that it was like kind of this dangerous space where it was I had just enough of uh, of an understanding of how it worked that I thought I could actually create something cool, uh, but that I totally miscalculated how incredibly difficult it was going to be. And, it, uh, and it, it was much more difficult than what I had anticipated when I kind of started off um, with that.
0: So from a process perspective, like it sounds like, you know, with your artistic background and everything that you may have had like an idea of the types of things you wanted to make. What, what was your aim? Like, were, were you working on things before really starting in on, let's say Clue?
2: Yes, so uh, there were several things that I did Uh, on my own which you know I now look back at them and you know find them pretty appalling and and embarrassing Um, but my goal with those was just to learn how it all works and see what I was able to create and then it was probably three or four weeks into it maybe that I kind of came across a like a vision I you know created my vision for what I thought I could do with clue and figure out how to build it out. Um, and, you know, like, there is, uh, I think, I think clue is beautiful. I love it. Uh, at the same time, it's, it's not like the most innovative coding behind it. It's just like a really well orchestrated kind of, um, kind of very a, a well orchestrated set of elements that kind of come together. And I think, what is a really nice collection? Uh, and so it's, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be the one that's actually like changing the journey of art space with the innovative coding. I'm, I'm just trying to create really great final outputs um, and, and putting together a large collection of a lot of diversity in it.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was one, one of the things that we were talking about just when we were chatting before we started to record, um, is that it's not really just about the the complexity in an algorithm, for example. Um, I haven't l- looked at the clue code to like understand all the work that went into it, but no matter how complex or simple something might be, and we talked about this a little bit on our weekly podcast, just to plug that a little bit, sometimes it's just about the the refinement in picking some of the color palettes, for example, you know, and just really understanding how different elements work together. And it doesn't matter how that vision is executed, when you kind of hit the, the print button, it comes out looking wonderful. So, like, what was the artistic process when it came to kind of generating those really amazing outputs?
2: Yeah, so, um, I mean, as I think is pretty evident from the write-up or the, the description of Clue, one of my big priorities here was creating art that uh, people don't wanna put on their walls. And I think that that comes from like, you know, my appreciation for all of the art that we've collected in the various countries where we've lived. So like, we've got work from Rwanda, Colombia, Florida, Pakistan, uh, Afghanistan, Samoa, uh, and a few other countries. Uh, and I mean, it's just, I love being able to like, have that on the wall and be able to enjoy that on a daily basis. And so when I went into Clue, it was all about how do I make sure that this is gonna, um, or how do I increase the likelihood that this ends up on walls? And, and I knew that the details were gonna matter on that. Uh, and so what I was doing a lot of was trying to uh, create those really high uh, quality outputs that you can get from Clue and just zooming in and looking around and seeing what everything looks like really close up uh, and and when I didn't see something when I saw something I didn't like you know dive back into the code and, and tweak so it was a lot of kind of back and forth between those outputs and, and the code and I, I you know I think every gen artist goes through this it's um, important kind of step in trying to understand what your code is going to produce and whether it's going to meet the standards that you're, that you have for the artwork that you're producing. Uh, I have really high high standards for myself uh, and I want to create great work. And, and I also just think that I have like, I know what I like and I know what I don't like. And I am on, on what it is that I appreciate and trying to create uh, the effects that I'm looking for. And so like on clue for me, it was a lot about depth. Like how can I create, depth with this very 2d piece and you know I, I think i've tried i've tried to do that in various ways through the backgrounds through the ways that like um you know the clues if you will kind of create themselves and and so a lot of the tweaking that i was doing was how do i refine to make sure that like i'm getting the right depth that i'm looking for that's
1: really cool i mean just like um Someone who's new to coding, even newer than you, and working on another project, just kind of like hearing that inspires me to with this next one really dig in and like refine and refine the things that I have more direct control over within my ability of coding, like things like color or you know alignment, like little little tiny adjustments, right? That might make it just that much better, but are within my capabilities. So that's a really really good takeaway. Um, i'm curious with with clue you know we see so many new artists come to the platform and some of them struggle for a long time before they really blow up right and you know they have small twitter followings they're in the discord even trying to like you know not necessarily shill their work even but just share it and get get people to even know that it's coming and somehow you know despite you having a pretty small twitter following and uh you know i'm sure you were in the discord but i wasn't like i didn't really i was not aware of you until the day it came out or that or just because of people were starting to talk about it right like you you somehow hit this critical mass of hype with your work before it released despite being new so i'm i'm really curious like what do you think Aside from the quality of the work, and maybe you want to just attribute it all to the quality of the work, right? And that could that could just be the case. But like, what do you think that you did to really maximize your chance of breaking through and succeed here?
2: Yeah, uh, that's a great question, and I think that part of that is where I like to I'd like to think that part of that is the quality of the work. Um, after putting so many hours into ri- refining the very uh, you know traits and and find those outputs that I was really trying to achieve. Oh, I'd like to think that that's part of it and I'd also just know that I think I had like 18 different traits in in clue and looking back uh, I think that you know what might have been a bit of a mistake in in that for when I'm trying to get like the right effect for one it's it's I then have to go test it for this one and this one and this one and, this one and make sure that like the whole thing isn't losing the exact effect I'm going for and so um, I like to think that the quality is part of it The, uh, no, I was also sharing tweets at a time just to try to get additional coverage um, or interest to include. One thing that I think was really uh, valuable is so I've seen a lot of artists write up pretty detailed descriptions of their generative art, uh, but I think I've only seen it after their projects have been a success. And I kind of, looked at that and was like, all right, well, I wonder if this can help drive the success the success of a project. So I put a lot of time into developing uh, my website and adding out or adding several pages that outlined all the different traits and how I came to choose those and what I'm trying to achieve with them. And I think that was helpful. I mean, I got a lot of positive feedback on um, on the website. And and then I think, it, you know, it's probably like obvious but it's like a uh you know the model that i've set up in terms of if you own five clues then you're a member of the clue crew and we can talk about this uh you know there's a lot of there's a lot to it um but i'm sure that that also like helps spark interest and if uh you know, at Trinity, I think you noted this in one of the early podcasts, or like the first time we, you, you all had a podcast on this after Clue was released, that the the mint price is very, you know, affordable, uh, accessible, I think.
0: Yeah, how did you come up with all that? Right. <laughs> it seems so stupidly cheap, especially in retrospect.
2: Yeah, so um, this kind of gets into, like, a lot of the dynamics that I'm trying to, uh, or I guess like, you know, manage with with Clue. So when I was thinking about mint price, I was in both mint price and the drop collection size. I was trying to think through, all right, well, if we're gonna do five, you have to have five kind of have this lifetime membership, if you will, um, to the Clue crew, then, uh, you know, what that's gonna result in roughly 1513 or something um potential clue crew members that's manageable for me in the long term in terms of outputs uh and so I thought about rock size number but then thinking about the mint price so one thing that I care about is really want a diverse group of collectors and i very much know what it is like to be a or to have a small wallet and uh, so when i was thinking about that 0.89 tes for a, for a mint it was i want to make this accessible and not just like a piece of clue but the full like you can be a clue crew member for an, an accessible or an affordable price and, and my hope is that uh you know a lot of those clue crew members that were able to mentor even like a, within a few days, um, the price hadn't you know, taken off too much. It was still relatively affordable if people still wanted to get in. And it, it, you know, I guess, depending on your wallet size, maybe it is today, maybe it's not. Um, but it, it was all, it was really fo- I was really focused on how do I make this accessible to everyone? Because um, I wanted it to be very inclusive from the beginning in order to have a more diverse group of collectors, because I also fear that it is, I mean, it is somewhat exclusive from here. Um, And it'll be harder for those smaller wallets to kind of continue to participate if they're not already, you know, a clue crew member, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. I think that we've kind of seen that, like that meteoric rise You know, as you mentioned, like those first few days were like relatively like slow on the, not slow on the secondary, that's really not fair or accurate. But, you know, after the first few days, things really started to take off. And I think we saw, like, a, at some point, a floor price in, like, the 50s or the 60s after some big wallets came through and swept. Um, you know, I, would, as- I would characterize it as, like,
1: a, a drop that got flipped, unfortunately, like, or heavily targeted. And I think that was kind of I'm, – I'm sure you were watching it, but a, a lot of people who had Temple wallets, and this is not your fault at all, but it's, like, a lot of people who were trying to mint just couldn't mint. And – I think then, like that's just what happens with with projects that are popular and get targeted. Is that it just takes a long time to get through that like tranche of 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 inventory that people are just trying to sell explicitly to make a couple test profit, but kind of miraculously, right? I think because of the quality of the work and because of your plan, and to kind of create this membership, we saw that get consumed by the collector base really quickly whereas for other works it doesn't necessarily turn over so it could take months kind of to get through all that inventory so it's, it was yeah, really cool yeah. to see
2: and I, and I don't think it was just the temple wall it's just a note because i mean i've got air gap and was uh I, I i tried to mint when i saw that people were having challenges because i wanted to be able to pick some up for people who i knew would want them and i probably tried six times and I was only able to get one
0: I got five uh,
2: one.
1: so yeah you I, I, crazy I just, that you I just got five
0: spam the button and I just like it doesn't matter I'm just going to keep refreshing spamming the button um, yeah
1: I, I got one and then I've, I've really failed in my planning you know I kind of I, I we haven't asked you about this yet and maybe we can like kind of diverge into what kind of stuff you collect on fx hash and but if you're if you're kind of like an avid collector and watch the market, you kind of know that like the prices tend to go up immediately and then kind of like decline over the course of a week or maybe even longer before hitting that second spike and rise, if the, if it ever happens. So my plan was like, I got a really nice one off my one mint. I'm gonna sell it at a markup because it's a really good palette, and then try to get five, four pieces pieces later, <laughs> right? And, and, and right. enter the club and and what ended up happening was the floor just caught up to the price of where I had my piece. And then I, <laughs> so uh, there's bad planning on my part.
0: Yeah. I actually have a quick yeah. question for you kind of around like, sure. the, the drop itself, because, you know, we did the, like a logo drop, like just last week. And how, what, how did you feel like just hitting that mint button, putting it out into the world and then just watching all the conversation swirl around how, amazing this is, discovering it, both on the primary and on the secondary, like through Twitter or Discord, whatever?
2: Uh, So yeah, drop day. Uh, The So I was walking around my house um, earlier that day and it was the first time that it really hit me that, wow, like this is insane. I've been working on this art collection for two months and I have a general idea of what it's going to look like, but I actually don't know what it's going to look like and i've I, I've thought about this in terms of like being a collector like many times before in the past, but as as my genesis dropped and kind of uh it was just just remarkable how amazing this space is and how cool that is that you just put something out there and you have no idea what's going to come back um and uh, yeah, I just, I just think it's a really fascinating space from that angle. And then in terms of drop day, like, or, or after hitting meant, um, so I was, I actually thought that I was going to be in jail for three hours. And, uh, so I, I had announced a drop time and then, uh, I had been verified without realizing it since the day before. And so I, uh, minted and then had to wait three hours before I actually like unlocked it so that people could actually mint because I wanted to make sure that I stuck to the original timeline in case anybody was uh, paying attention to the previous Twitter announcements on it. And, uh, and so that was a little bit kind of uh, I, you know, less than ideal, but uh, I think it worked out just fine. Like people got to review the, the code and, or the, the outputs and take a look at them before they decided to buy, which I think is always a great thing. Um, and then afterwards, uh, I remember very clearly, it was just, it was really awesome. I, I don't know, I duck into the FX hash discord every once in a while, uh, just to kind of see what's going on. And I remember dropping in uh, and just seeing in the, in the price discussion, it was awesome. It was like, I can't remember who it was, who it was like CoinCash and a couple of others, like dropping in memes of like, you get a clue, you get a clue. And it's like, oh, I don't have a clue. It's like, oh, you're clueless. Uh, and just all these plays on the term "clue," and I thought it was—it uh, was just like such a refreshing and positive environment in that moment. And um, I'm, you know, I'm just glad to contribute to that. Uh, I also think that that's just really kind of just a nice note in, in terms of like how much I appreciate the community and like I feel like I've been given a really really warm welcome to the space and. And that's amazing. Like, I love that. I can't like, I can't think the community enough for that. Um, it really does make a difference in terms of like helping an artist want to continue to kind of come back and, and bring back value to the community when they have those positive experiences, especially from the beginning. Uh, so it was, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a really amazing kind of day. Um, just watching it all happen and, and the excitement enthusiasm around it.
1: All oh, the top two FX hash moment for you
2: uh yes yes yeah it's in your top um, two yeah it's definitely a top two uh since i've had one genesis drop (laughs) so far
1: yeah
0: number one that we should be thinking about yeah as
1: i know this is something that you wanted to talk about maybe this would be a good time to divert and
2: Uh, well yeah i mean i was interested in hearing about your um your top moments um with fx hash um but actually like can i is it okay if i
1: yeah, yeah, I'm we can keep going. Just no, yeah, let's minute. keep going on Clue.
2: Because um, I do want to, like, just mention a couple of things. So, like, you know, I've built out this airdrop model. And, you know, I feel very fortunate because I've got a full-time job. Um, I'm not relying on kind of the income from my artwork to keep a roof over my family. And, but I'm, like, not every artist is the same every artist is gonna have a different approach. Every artist is in a different situation. Every artist like looks at their art from a different perspective. And I just wanna note that like, I I really hope that kind of this type of model does not result in any collectors or pressuring or any artists feeling pressure to start airdropping to all their collectors because that's not the right model for everyone. Um, This is kind of part of my model to create space for me in, you know, in the FX hash world. And I am hoping that like, or I guess maybe best case scenario is what it does is it just creates another option for other artists who are looking to move into this space to to maybe consider like as one of the many ways that they kind of introduce themselves um, to the community. But this by far and away is not the only and probably and probably not the best model um, for doing this. So. I do want to be like very clear on that, that I, I worry a little bit um, in terms of that like pressure that some collectors might uh, throw towards others. And I, I just, I discourage that.
1: I'm, I'm actually curious, you know, I think you maybe there's something that you're saying in, in, this, in this statement to other artists, but do you have any anxiety yourself around this model that you've now created and kind of have to like fulfill, right? I and mean, I know when you tweeted it out, it was like very much like, I, I know there was some discussion of like, oh, like he's really being like very formal with what the rules are of this. And I was like, yeah, he, you have to be, right? Because you are basically making a commitment to anyone who holds five and people might be making decisions. People might be make, making decisions now at this, at this higher secondary market price that they wanna be in, right? And they might right. be spending hundreds of tests to join versus someone who got lucky and minted five or, or collected them around the floor. Like, Do you have like anxiety now because of the success of the project that you're on, you know, you're kind of on the hook, I, I would say, for at least one or two or three, like, drops to kind of, I don't know, I mean, I guess, what do you feel about it? And what do you feel I guess, is, is really more of the, con- the question is like, it yeah, makes yeah. me nervous, like, it makes me nervous <laughs> on the sidelines.
2: I mean, it's, it's a great question. It's a great question. Um, and I think the short answer is no um and that's that's the short answer to make change um in in the long term but it's you know especially depending on like on what the price of clue is uh but at this moment like I don't feel kind of pressure what I do feel is uh is like kind of I don't know the right word for it but like like a rejuvenated commitment or something where like or maybe it's just a motivation. It's a motivation. Like um I feel a very strong motivation to return value to my like to the clue crew. And you know this is when I was in Gen.art I'm still part of Gen Art, um what I one thing I really loved about that space was it was all about the artist. And you know they choose the drop size they choose the mint price and the like the members are basically along for the ride and you can participate as you want um well in this scenario like as i was reflecting on it well i'm the artist and all right well what do i care about uh like i don't really care about you know all those like a, a lot of these other details and so why don't i kind of flip that concept in its head and focus on the collectors and like i am like, I, th- I, I think that, that that approach was actually really smart from my perspective in terms of giving me a long term motivation to provide value to those Clue crew members. And, like, I want to be like, nobody should be buying Clue because of stuff that I'm saying on this podcast. Like, buy Clue because you like uh, the art, or buy any art because you like the art. Um, I don't want this to kind of turn into like a podcast, but like, I, I am very focused on. How do I create value for the collectors? And I'm looking at it from like, so, okay, maybe like just to touch on this for one minute. Um, so, we've talked about the airdrops, and I've committed to doing one airdrop for all Clue Crew members um, for all of my FX hash work moving forward. And, um, but one other thing that I've uh, recently decided on, and I've shared this in, uh, is that there's gonna be times when I actually decide just to airdrop two pieces to the Clue Crew, and I think that like I really like the way that I've thought. You know, one thing that I've struggled with so much in the past is like feeling liquidity strapped, and when when you don't have liquidity, it like it's stressful. If especially if like you see yourself if you want to get into another project, like what I, I don't know about anybody else, but like what I would do is I would sell something at its low point so that i could buy something at its peak and then just feel really crappy the next day um and i would just kind of rinse repeat over and over and it's and it was only because i felt like i was liquidity strapped and so um you know i was talking about that diversity in the collectors early and how earlier and how i like to maintain that and so when i think about smaller wallets like all right well how can i help smaller wallets feel comfortable remaining as part of the clue crew. And and I think one way of doing that is to airdrop them two pieces from some collections, not all collections, it'll probably be seldom. Um, but my hope is that, all right, you know they can still keep one piece of all of my artwork, but now they've got one extra piece that they can sell if they're feeling liquidity strapped. And um, it, all it does is just give them one more option in terms of how they wanna manage their portfolio and collect Uh, and collect art. And uh, hopefully, like, you know, I I think kind of, in the end, my hypothesis and all if I bring value and create value for the collectors, then that kind of gets reciprocated and they, you know, uh, value and appreciate my art and you know, what I'm trying to do um, to kind of uh, support them as
1: collectors. So yeah. I mean, maybe this is actually a good opportunity project, which yeah. you highlighted it, you, you kind of leaked it or previewed a little bit in a tweet just yesterday. You know, yes, yesterday our time, I don't know, it was maybe morning your time.
0: Rocking the uh, some Twitter banners um, that you just released yesterday or at least as, at the time of this recording as well yeah
2: um so this is you know this is just kind of an the only only promise that i've made with the clue crew sort of membership is that you get one airdrop for all future pieces or future collections um the the banner piece is just like another little kind of icing on the cake that i wanted to give to a couple of or give to anybody who wants one that um seeing a few people adopt them as their uh twitter banners i was like man that looks awesome um, and say, so, all right, let's formalize this and that, let me actually mint some of these for you. So that was just a little like icing on the cake. Um, the in terms of kind of what's coming next, so there are like there are some things that I'm working on. Um, as I've said, like coding is not my specialty, uh, I'm not a strong suit. I'm all like self taught. And so everything I do kind of takes time and it's me learning and trying to figure out like me knowing what my vision is, but then trying to figure out how do I get there? And for, uh, so some of these pieces are gonna take a little, little time to kind of fully develop. The, there is one, so the, okay, so the T's from yesterday. Um, so there's a very special clue in, um, in clue, and it is clue number 205. So this is the only piece in the Clue collection that has both a, both symmetry and uh, a special trait. And what I'm gonna do is actually like build a kind of a small collection, just in honor of that one piece. Um, so it's basically like a zoomed out variation on the lost, not lost uh, special trait, which is what Clue 205 has. Um, I'm gonna do like, and I, I think I'm gonna call this Symmetric Clue because uh, the vast majority of the collection is gonna be symmetrical in some way. And, um, and what I'm also gonna do is, so Clue 205 has the Dune Lakes color palette. And so I'm actually gonna remove that color palette from Clue altogether, and then uh, switch that with what we, like the teaser that I shared yesterday, which is a new color palette. Uh, it is neon inspired. And it makes me say "bam" every time I look at it, so I'm calling it "Nianamanapia." Do you get it? Yeah. Yes, that's my. name all that called. right now. I <laughs> no, that's okay. Cannot, and not <laughs> every time I need to, I've got to go search how to spell The Official
1: clue style guide. All
2: right, bam. Um, so, so, and also, it'd be, could I just know, like, so as I'm thinking about this, the the podcast, will come out on Wednesday or Thursday?
1: Yeah, probably on the n- by U.S. time, okay. like midday of the 9th, February.
2: All right, so let's go ahead and do this too. Um, let's go ahead and just like let's announce this as uh, as the drop. So I, I've I've shared on Twitter that I'm going to give folks a one week advance notice um, whenever these whenever I'm doing a drop, and this is our one week notice. So this will drop on Wednesday. I'll encourage people to kind of c- come in and listen. Um, to the podcast. And what I'm going to do with this is I'm going to uh, uh, let's make this a, a nice start for the collectors. And we'll do a top of two for all of the Clue crew. Um, and I think what I'm going to do is probably just reserve five of those that I'm in for maybe like a Dutch, Dutch auction or something. Um, still trying to work through those details, but my goal here is like 95% of this collection is going to go to the Clue Crew. Sounds
0: uh, like I need to get onto the secondary market. Uh, financial advice. This, it's financial yes, advice. It's not financial advice. <laughs> it's not financial advice. I'm talking about myself. Definitely. You love right, right. Clue. Um, and I can't wait to see what Onomatopoeia looks like. <laughs>
2: uh, well, you've already seen the teaser for the uh trait or, or color palette, um, which that was the tweet from yesterday, but um i'll share more details on this as we get closer to it but uh yeah i mean like i want to start off with a bang for a uh, clue crew and uh you know like i said make sure i'm bringing value back to them so
1: yeah and i i think um because of kind of the funkiness of how the opening windows move right now i'm looking at the calendar so for us in the us there's actually the closing of cycle 87 and the opening of cycle 88 on Wednesday. So I think you'll have to kind of look at your time zones press it, and figure out like what <laughs> which 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 one of those yeah. two cycles you're going to you're going to put it in. but but if it's mostly going to be minted and distributed minus this like auction system then it might be a little like less finicky about exactly when it hits, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Also, like just congratulations on putting out something that people are going to be really looking forward to. Like, I know that you were really upfront on Twitter when you dropped and announced the Clue crew that like, this is not your full-time job. You have so many other like responsibilities just with your day job, you have family, you have friends. So I'm really glad that you are able to take that, like that motivation and just start making new beautiful things. So kudos.
2: Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's, uh, it's just a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy it. And uh it's, it's surprising a lot of hours that I put in and it's quite difficult with the full-time job, but it's, it's just very rewarding. Um, I've really, really enjoyed
1: the space so far. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of the number of hours just to get that logo project done <laughs> for us. And you were, you were, you know, thankfully a part of it too. And in that final week, cause I was like sprinting towards getting everything figured out and wrapping it for FX hash, but man, for how simple that logo project is, like going from not coding to getting that done, number of hours. I can only imagine, you know, for a project like at the scale of Clue and just like the refinement of it, how much how many how how much sleep you've kind of siphoned away <laughs> into into working on it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So At you know, this is the time cop. We're at forty-five minutes. Do you want to kind of spend the last 15 minutes talking about some non-clue stuff? Should we just talk about like what you collect on FX hash, like our moments, or do you want to kind of keep going down the future and
2: yeah, that no, that sounds great. Um the yeah, I mean in terms of collecting on FX Hash, um I will admit that like I am not a great collector. Um I and um, I've recently realized that I collect my physical art in a very different way than, the, than how I collect my digital art. And, and as I've made that realization, I've you know decided that I'm gonna actually start to put my physical art hat on when I'm looking at things um, to really help me sort of filter through like what is it that I wanna own? What it, like, when I'm looking at physical art, I'm looking at it and thinking, all right, this is gonna be on my wall for the next 20 years. I want to love this piece of art and I will do that with digital pieces. Um, But I need to start looking at my wallet as if it's my wall and just say, all right, like if I'm putting it in my wallet, like this is something that I love and I want to keep. And so I do want to kind of shift the way that I've been collecting. um, And I'm saying this out loud, hopefully as a way to commit commit myself to do so. Um, And this is also like because, as a, as an artist, it is really hard to keep up with everything that's going on in the FX Hash community. I have really appreciated your podcast because, you know, when I listen in, I twenty five percent of what you all are talking about, and then the other seventy five percent, like I've got to go dig it up and look for it because the rest, like the rest of the week, my head's just buried in code, trying to figure out what I want to do and how I want to like w- like what I want to create. And I just don't have the time to like pick my head up and, and collect in the right way. Uh, so that's a kind of a constant battle for me in terms of being a collector. Uh, and this is also a reason that I love what FX tender is doing. And I think that's like, it's, it's almost like, I, I just want to stop kind of looking at the FX hash homepage and just look at the FX tender page. Cause that's like, that's the, by far the easiest and fastest way for me to see what I want to like, what might be appealing and interesting to me, um, and it takes all like I feel like when you look at the FX hash page and I, like so when I first saw the FX hash, hash page, it was probably October or no November, early November, mid November. I think Ken Consumer dropped into the Gen Art uh, Discord and said, "Hey, if you're not paying attention to this? Come check it out." Uh, and so I went and checked it out, and. It just looked like a lot of kind of spaghetti being thrown at the wall to see what would stick. And, and I looked at it and I was like, all right, like, yeah, I don't think this is really for me at the moment. Um, and decided to pass. But I think that if I had walked in and seen something like FX Tender, I would have been, hey, all right, this is where I like, this makes sense. This is where I want to be. Um, and it just takes all that spaghetti that's falling off the wall and just, and really like, just shows you. The spaghetti that's going to stick, like the artwork that is going to get traction, um, or that is like you know worth the investment, no, not finite, not financial advice, um, for anybody that's looking to collect.
1: Well, the, the analogy I've seen with FX Tender is that like if FX Hash is like the L one of generative art on on Tezos, then things like FX Tender are the L 2s that are going to be built on top of them. That are going to like streamline and I'm sure there'll be more, right? I mean, and that's kind of the nature that Cypher that has developed the project is that like all the APIs and stuff, it's like all anyone can hook into and build on top of it. So I I know like I'm excited to see where that project goes and what other kind of like similar projects might arise as well, right? Cause discovery is such a problem. I mean, this is something that I don't think we've talked about it on the show, but there's so many projects, not so not so many, but there are like a handful of projects every week that you look at them and just go like, man, I really hope this one doesn't get lost, you know. And it goes through that cycle of like being, you know, bought it and flipped, and then it's got thirty or forty percent of the inventory on on the on the market, but it's still such a good piece, and you just know that if we had ten times the, the user base that we have now, a lot of that inventory would be bought up and it would have a nice stable floor price and it could it could grow and flourish but what happens if you know it takes us months to get to that 10x user base and now this is like thousands of thousands and thousands of projects buried so we we need these like l2s to kind of just celebrate that work and also that's kind of what we're trying to do on the podcast right is kind of create an oral history of like what goes on on the platform week to week because every week feels like a year and it's so hard to Remember, like I almost feel like they're time capsules that someone who comes to FX Hash in a year could go back and listen to our show and be like, even though it's meant to be like kind of like news of the week, it's like actually kind of cool to hear about that drop that maybe has been forgotten for six months and, and go back and revisit it.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think that also one thing that I it shouldn't be overlooked is I think the FX Hash community, at least the Discord community, is really good at finding good art. Um, picking up, the, like seeing the things that have uh, a lot of potential, and and finding those that are maybe older that have been overlooked, and bringing them back to life. I've been I've been really impressed with like some of the collectors and things that they've kind of um, identified in the Discord.
0: We've all benefited from some of Ken Consumer's alpha over the years, or I guess weeks. It feels like years. Sure. <laughs> yeah absolutely. I know that I've learned so much from the, the the people in Discord and people on Twitter just kind of you know helping to communicate some of what makes the work great. So you know, always indebted to to them absolutely. So have you actually what are some of the things that you've enjoyed that you've picked up? I know that we've talked about how you don't have the time necessarily to be you know in the discord, like you know looking at every single um, like drop window. Is there anything that you've that's really given you joy and that you have collected because you're like yes this could go on my wall for 20 years? Uh
2: yeah, I mean so the other day uh when some of the Mountain View drama was uh, going on, I I took advantage of, of the opportunity and picked up a Mountain View for um and was really excited to add that piece to my collection. Uh, I've been really wanting to get a stitch, but like didn't pull the day that I wanted to and unfortunately missed out. That's kind of one of the regrets that I've had recently. Um, and then, you know, I've, i was able to mint several glass that I really like, uh, And And, uh, there's a couple other pieces. I like the the small skulls. Um, and I think more than anything, I just really like. I love the art, but I really love the community. And um, I think it's just a great example of where this space can go, with like the right and with the right community built around it. It's also kind of you know um, what I'd like to kind of eventually build when we think about Clue Crew. Um, obviously a much smaller group given the the size, but um yeah i like the small skulls.
0: two out of two for our interviews who love glass yeah i, just I can. Need to make this our intro question uh to the icebreakers on a scale of one to ten how much do you love glass yeah how much glass do you yeah. want?
2: yeah yeah, just yeah. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh and and can I flip the script for a second? So we, we talked about this, you, you started to raise this earlier and like I wanted to flip the script and ask you guys a question um, in terms of favorite FX hash moments. So, uh, you know, you, you'd started to ask me earlier, I think I've covered the share. I will just share that there's one other and it is when uh, Rich Pool purchased a black and white clue. And, um, and that was just like that meant a lot. Uh, I really admire Rich as an artist, and uh, I just think he's he's fantastic and has um, been really kind of helpful to me when I've looked at when I've reached out looking for support. And uh, yeah, when he bought that piece, it meant a lot to me, and uh, so I really appreciated that. The but I think those are like those are my big FX moments with drop day, seeing all the memes in the FX Hash Discord. Uh, but you all have been around for longer uh, and have participated much more in, in the community kind of aspect of it. Uh, and so what are your Hash favorite moments?
0: Well, I'll let you go first. I don't want to steal any potential moment that you might have. Uh,
1: I mean, I think the obvious one, obviously, is starting the show. And it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, Trini and I have known each other for a really long time and throughout the years, we've like always talked about starting projects together of some sort. Usually they're more... Business-minded than this, um, but this is the first one we actually executed on, and it happened so quickly. You know, like from I think it was around Christmas time, the end of last year, that I was just like, "This is an opportunity, right?" There's no one really creating. I mean, there are people creating some kind of secondary media around the on the around the platform, but it's either like written in blogs or, you know, or releases NFTs. Like, there's someone who does an NFT magazine actually, like with, like interviews with artists and it's like. We need some consistent, like audio thing, something you can subscribe to through an app, like a, like a podcast. And it was just awesome to start it. And you were a little reluctant at first, Trinity, but then I kind of convinced not a you podcaster. into. I don't
0: listen to. Right, that right but neither media. am
1: I. Oh. Neither am I. But we're, you know, we're we're just naturals. You know, that's that's just what it is. It's We've got radio plus voices.
0: Years of banter and going for us. So yeah. So I think sense. that's
1: the obvious one.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised just even that making you something. didn't say like the NFT drop. You know, I, I, for me, that was like a really fun moment, similar to what you were saying, uh, Preston, you know, where it's because I control the wallet. Just if I get hacked, please, please, people don't don't steal our stuff. Um, but like going through, like we were screen sharing, putting in all of like the information, the descriptions, like arguing about how do we capitalize things um, and then just pushing the button and waiting three hours and then just holding our breaths, I think, collectively a little bit just to see what would happen. And I think when it was going through and just checking like over time, like who was buying what, it was just like this overwhelming sense of like, they love us. They really love us, you know, and just kind of feeling that support come back from the community. And I, I think that was just amazing overall.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think those are both just great podcast related ones. And then I'll, I'll offer some like market and collection related ones cuz i think also i don't think we would have gotten to the podcast if it weren't for like one key sale i made and and then i'll complement that by like one key purchase i've made that i'm really proud of which is when toxie released defrag 2 i think i can't remember if i got one or two of them i think maybe i was lucky enough to get two of that and i at that point i was still very much just like a hardcore flipper mode mentality, like learning the platform and just trying to really only viewing it as a way to accumulate Tezos and not even hadn't really brought broken through the threshold of like getting into the art at that point. I think I sold one the f- right immediately probably for two or three X mint. And then the next day as collectors started coming in, I sold my second one after it revealed for like 700 Tez, which then allowed me to make a month worth worth of mistakes like collecting and figuring out, and but also just giving me some tests to play with and then actually engage in the secondary, whereas before I'd only been kind of minting and, and flipping and trying to do this mint to sell one strategy that we talked about on our one kind of like collection oriented episode. And it, if it had not been for that one big windfall sale, I, 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 uh, I think there was certainly the possibility that like the momentum would have fizzled out for me and I would be facing down like how many more uh, exchange, <laughs> you know, like transactions and putting help me kind of get my feet in the community and like feel good about, I don't know, being able to, to spend and play without it really impacting my personal finances too much. It was just very, very lucky. It's a big moment. And this, like that moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then I guess the, the, the other one was like that very early on for whatever reason, within my first day or two on FX hash, I bought an RGB. And I don't know why I gravitated to it or how I even found it. I wasn't even really on the discord that much. And I don't, don't remember at all how I found it, but I found that piece and I really love, I'd actually collected some similar stuff on hen that were like game of life inspired, like comic game of of life inspired. And I was just looking through it and I found one that I really liked. It was like 50 Tez at the time, which I'm sure was way above floor. And I just bought it. And I was like, and it's also sub 100, uh, like id number on the site so i was like wow this is like one of the first 100 things made on the site and like never had the expectation that obviously now like it's become this grail piece and so i felt you know that also has been a big big moment for me on the site It was like just i don't know why i gravitated towards it or why i picked the one that i did and it just feels good to have one in the vault you know it's it's, it's what i use as my uh, discord profile picture mm-hmm.
0: And I think the other one there is not selling it at six hundred. I've
1: I've listed it a couple times. I've listed. I actually, yeah, I've listed it a couple times and then delisted it, and I, it's never. You know, now it hasn't been listed for a while.
0: Well, that's that's yeah great.
1: yeah that's, that's awesome. No yeah, that's awesome. Congrats but, on that. Let's hear, it. Trinity. You have to have at least like one.
0: I mean, I don't have as many like big moments as that, you know, I I think that there have been some really fun slash stressful times of multiple times of operating it with like 0.3 tes in the wallet where you like really even don't have enough liquidity to list anymore, um, which is how I became a big fan of the battery list tool on Netlify. Um, Please use it only at your own risk. Um, But like, even though like, that is not fun, because you're kind of gate kept out of literally every single drop, including Clue, um, there's something about the scrappiness that's included there, where it's like digging yourself out of a hole. It, it, there's a sort of a sense of accomplishment, um, and just kind of scrambling to figure out, how do I like get my liquidity back? Like you, It forces you to really look at your collection as well to try to understand what you want to price things at and what you want to put on the market. Um, that said, uh, I also enjoy having liquidity. And I think that, you know, I've talked about this before. One of my favorite moments was, um, I think it was on the same, was it the same day that sequence was dropped as well? Um, cause it was a big day. Cause I, I remember I, I actually went to the office, you know, I work from home. I go to the office like once every th- five months, something like that. So it was very special for me to be like sitting at my desk while like there was, a small office get-together in the background. Like, everybody's at the bar, and I'm just, like, sitting at my laptop, like, constantly hitting, like, the refresh button, just trying to see what's happening. Um, But, you know, Farb Taylor came out. Um, I've talked about this a few times. And, you know, I I had seen some Twitter previews, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just beautiful. I had already loved The Signatory by Eric Swan previously. Um, And then I think people were just you know, it was had been a big day. There were a lot of big days back in December and just continuing to hit the mint button on Farb Taylor because I was like, this is amazing. Like the colors are insane. The structure and the architecture is insane. Like everything about this piece is just insane. Like, you know, I ended up minting 13 of them. I was like looking around, like, I guess the internet or <laughs> just looking around at FX Ash being like, why is this taking so long to mint out? And I was like, I know I'm onto something and then just being right, you know, just like having like the eye and having the vision and just being able to predict something that like other people might like, even though it like wasn't taking off like in that exact moment. So Thank you for telling me.
1: (laughs) So I minted three because you were like, you need to get some of these. And I was like, like, are you sure? sure? I feel like this one's a trap. Like what, it was two tes. No, nothing yeah. two tes
0: is a trap. Um, uh. So that was a great moment. And then, you know, obviously, you know, FX Hash is ultimately, in some respects, just like one giant like gambling ring, because like you're buying a thing. There's some sort of skill to get there, right? Especially in the early days when it like you couldn't just mint through the front end. You always had to find some of these alternate tools in order to be successful. And then, like, if you were able to mint. Is like you had that success because you successfully like outmaneuvered all like the weird blockchain things, all of the weird wallet things. You, know, you had found your way to like win and succeed. And then obviously like there's just the lottery component of like what is your output? Um, you know, hitting like the jackpot a few times, like getting a one in four a keys dragon, for example, is like just an, it feels so good or like getting like a sequence with the hole in it, which is like a 2%. Um,
1: your red Iskra
0: a red Iskra you know like there's just some of those moments like that where it's like this is just like it's just like a weird moment of like a success in a way or just not success isn't the right word but just like I mean it's, it's very like no, onomatopoeic it's, 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 it's like bang it's
1: a, an extension of the poker analogy that I was yeah. making on our collection episode which is that you do a lot of things that are uh, process oriented But you know that just because you're behaving in a process oriented way doesn't mean that your outcome is always going to be good and so when you because of the nature of luck in in a game like poker right so but as long as you're being results oriented and like following a process like those wins feel really really good because you know like i'm putting my i'm I'm accumulating enough edge in all of my actions that it is here's here's the cases where it pays off right so like i think that's that feeling that you should go play poker
0: That's not financial advice. That's so dry (laughs) and unemotional. Don't we love like the storytelling and the big hits and wins? Like that's what Yeah. Like that's like it's the emotional part that feels good too. Although I guess just the the satisfaction of executing process and you know. It's like
1: playing magic, right? Too. Yeah. Like when you've designed a deck and to to behave a certain way and then you actually I don't know if you play games like that, Preston, but like you design your deck with a certain idea in mind. But then again, you're shuffling the cards, so there's randomness to what you draw and like the order in which you see things. So it's when you hit the middle of the bell curve that you designed for and like everything's humming that you feel really good when you play that game versus like the liar edges or where you kind of can feel bad <laughs> because you don't get to do what you want to do. Yeah, I think that's that, That's that's a lot. Maybe we went longer than yeah, expected. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>
2: that was great. It's like the adrenaline keeps us going uh, when you get those little wins. It is, yeah. And same, same thing for me on the generative art side when creating things and I'm able to come, overcome one of those like challenges that's been driving me nuts for for days. It's that uh, adrenaline is what can keep me going for the next two weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's like when you were able to solve that problem and figure out like what is the breakthrough moment? Right. Like right. there's got to be something really nice about that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Did you know you can put arrays inside of arrays? Whoa, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I mean, do you want to I feel like we're we're at an hour. I know it's getting late on your on your side. Um, anything you kind of want to wrap up, put a bow on this and Send us out. with uh, no, just,
2: just a, a big thank you to the two of you um, for putting this together because this is where I get my uh, FX Hash news every week and uh, get a lot of updates on what's been going on and some of the big drops. And I, I really appreciate it, and I've gotten a lot of value from it uh, as someone who's trying to collect more um, but gets wrapped up into the creating side. It's it's just nice to have this space to, or this podcast to be able to um, get caught up on everything. So thank you, I really appreciate it.
0: Everything that you do, and also for the uh, the exclusive drop info, um, I think everybody's going to be really excited to see everything that you have in store. So that's awesome.
1: For that, cool. Well, that feels like an awesome place to end it. Um, thanks again, Preston. Abstractment. We'll always get your name right. Moving, forward. and uh, really looking forward to everything you have to offer on the platform and the community. You know, I think you've approached it in a really I think that's a big part of why you've gotten the reception you have, you know, aside also the fact that the art is cool and good. So <laughs> it's like a win on every level. And uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know. How do you end an interview episode. I think it's just ended by, by clicking stop. So thanks everyone. Thanks Preston. Thanks Trinity for getting up early and we'll see you all soon.